This is the Van City Church Podcast. The following teaching from Kiana Zarati is part four in our annual Advent series, The Long Winter Breaks. Psalm 105. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. In the next few verses, we'll read God's uh, people and their journey in and out of Egypt into the promised land. Let's skip down to verse 42. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. These words are inspired by God. Go ahead and take a seat. Now, has anyone here ever seen the ballet The Nutcracker? It is the most boring ballet I have ever seen in my life. I've seen it at least a dozen times. I was a ballerina for over a decade, and if you haven't seen it, let me tell you, the first act is basically just gesturing the whole time. It's, welcome, wow, look. And there's very little like actual ballet dancing. My parents dressed me and my two sisters up every year to go, and it was incredibly magical. Part of the reason why we loved it was because the three of us were ballet dancers, and it was my dream of all dreams to be performing on that stage one day. And the second reason we loved it is because the beginning of that ballet was only a slightly romanticized version of our real-life Christmas Eve celebrations. Not a joke. We had the 12 to 14-foot trees, my huge family all together in my childhood home, halls decked, music playing, the aroma of all of our favorite foods and treats. Absolute chaos as our parents, my grandparents, and then the 12 of us grandkids ran wild, all dressed up in our holiday finery. One year, when my little sister was about five and I was eight, I came up with a brilliant idea. As most of you can remember or are currently experiencing, it is nearly impossible for small children to see wrapped presents under the tree and not open them. The weight is absolutely agonizing. So, as a hardcore rule follower, I knew I couldn't peek, but my little sister could. I mean, isn't that why older siblings exist? So, so I talked her into chewing on all the corners of the wrapped Christmas presents. It'll look like the cat did it, which is weird. Kids are weird, man, but guys, it worked. Not only did we get to lift up the paper and peek inside every single one of our presents, when my mom was like, what the heck happened? We just said, the dumb cat, she chewed on the corners of the presents, and she believed us. Even though our presents, it was, it was only our presents that had mysteriously been chewed, 
and she never knew the truth until we confessed as adults a few years ago, and we laugh now, it's funny. And it was also one of the first times I clearly remember lying to my mom and feeling really clever that I didn't get caught. I am broken. Humanity is broken. I do what I wish I would not do, and what I wish I would do, I do not do. Here's a little, or let's be honest, a well-known fact about me. I am a forever optimist. Silver linings are easy for me to find a high empath. I feel so deeply for the celebrations and the deep pain of others. In fact, just last week, I got a little teary-eyed over a proposal. It was so sweet. It was on the internet, and they were strangers. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> when Van City did Advent a few years ago, I was really uncomfortable and really squirmy listening to the teachings. Josh was talking about these horrible tragedies and awful evil in the world, and I was, quite frankly, really annoyed. Like, doesn't this self-appointed pastor of Christmas know that this is the jolly holiday? This is the season only for Hallmark movies where you can predict the lines coming out of their mouths while you're watching it for the first time, where our traditions are cherished, they're comfortable, predictable. But yuck, I don't want to hear about a toddler stuck in a well for days or be reminded of the deep evil that reigns in the world. Just let this empath bury her head in the snow with the same 25 Christmas songs on repeat so I don't have to acknowledge the pain outside of my winter wonder snow globe. Thank you very much. I was also under the impression that the waiting of Advent was only for us to imagine what it would be like for the Israelites to wait for their Savior, to await the birth of Jesus. We live this side of the resurrection, and we know that Jesus does eventually come to save us, so therefore we can only pretend to imagine what it's like for hundreds of years to go by, and we're still waiting. Or can we? Another generation sits through another long, dark winter night waiting for God to come through on his promise to renew all things. Does that sound familiar? What about for the couple waiting to hold a child that doesn't seem to be coming? Or the family planning a funeral for their loved one that was murdered? Or for the family whose loved one has beaten cancer already, but now is in the final stages of a different type of cancer, that is slowly sucking the life out of their once victorious body. Or tiny, precious children knowing and experiencing hell on earth with no end in sight. Meanwhile, I sip my hot chocolate in my warm and cozy house. While I'm singing along with the Muppets Christmas Carol for someone else, the flame of hope flickers out for good. Do you think those suffering at the hand of evil are all asking the same question? Where? is God. If I wanted to, I could continue to build my Christmas igloo taller and make the walls thicker until I'm so focused on my holiday experience that I forget about the hardships for many of God's creation. The reality is creation is broken. Often that looks like decaying bodies or unrealized dreams or shattered spirits, often at the hands of another person. Where is God? From the beginning of creation, man and woman had purpose. Before the snake, before decay, before the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, we were to rule the earth and care for the people and the creatures and the ground around us. 
God's presence was never questioned because scripture says he walked in the garden alongside his creation. Man and woman were his partners in caring for the world. When creation allowed the serpent's deception to take root in their hearts and they ate from the fruit, something cracked. Where there was once freedom from pain came the knowledge and therefore the experience of evil, a ripple that was felt immediately in that moment and continues on to today. Within that chasm birthed a new reality of all, of all God's creation. We now operate out of brokenness where the lion once laid with the lamb, there is now need for shepherds to protect the helpless prey from what once was their friend. And it, only, and it only took one generation from God's original design of peace and harmony for a man to murder his brother out of jealousy. Where is God? Especially when it seems that evil reigns. And it's hard to even imagine that there will be a day where it looks any different than what we've known and experienced for thousands of years. Now, I can't speak for everyone here, but there have been a few times I've uttered those words just this year. God, where are you? As children huddled under their desks, as their peers are gunned down, as a little girl calls 911 for help over and over with no one coming, while another family is working through another medical emergency or a baby is stillborn. A family is huddled in the freezing cold wondering when their next meal will come or how they will climb out from their crushing debt. Or I recall the war raging on. Which one? Pick one. In fact, as, as of this week, there are 32 countries at war, whether it's a civil war, terrorist insurgency, insurgency, drug war, political unrest, or people fighting over land, some spanning almost two decades, casualties too high to count or the protests happening all over the world, people begging for basic human rights. They are met at best with a beating or imprisonment and execution at worst. Or not too long ago as we watched Afghanis clutching to the outside of an airplane, understanding when they let go and plummet that death is better than what was waiting for them in their home. For these people, victims of mass shootings and war, of violence and neglect, they understand what it means to wait for salvation. Now notice how you're feeling. Squirmy? Are you uncomfortable? Sad? Feeling helpless? We can't turn away from evil. We just can't. Trust me, I've tried. And when I stop watching the news and live in my hallmark snow globe, it becomes an echo chamber of optimism. I forget the need for saving that as evil reigns, something needs to give. And when I do acknowledge the evil around me, it can often feel suffocating. We can practice justice, but we can't single-handedly end a war or find every person who is suffering and fix it. These things are heavy and can maybe feel foreign, but I know that evil has touched us too. It's not just out there. Suffering is a guaranteed human experience and pain is pain. It wasn't too many Christmases ago that I spent huddled on my floor crying until I had no more tears left, waiting for a positive pregnancy test, waiting for the grief of loss to wane, waiting to feel God's presence instead of a black hole of misery. 
that same Christmas, I was supposed to be spending it with my newborn, where I had, planning, where I had been planning a low-key holiday season swaddling my newborn like Mary swaddled Jesus, sharing that experience of motherhood with her. But sometimes evil reigns, and empty arms lead to empty swaddles and missing stockings. God, where are you? In moments of chaos where the world seems like it's spinning upside down and backwards and you feel like you can't get another breath down, where is God? He is just that. He's the breath in our lungs, even when we're screaming in agony. He's the gentle whisper that says, it's time to start the day, let's get out of bed, even when that feels like too much. He's the one who is faithful, even when it doesn't make sense. He is faithful to his promise to Sarah and Abraham, like we read in Psalm 105, the baby that came infinitely later than they imagined or thought possible. He's faithful in the oath to Isaac, the promise to Jacob, the land flowing with milk and honey that is promised but still coming. God, where are you? As he whispers, be faithful, I am here. Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, chains around his neck, living in prison, to one day save Egypt from famine and his family that cast him away. His faithfulness led to a place God's people could rest their head. But as the Israelites grew in Egypt, their numbers too numerous, they were turned slaves. God hears their cries of oppression and performs miracle after miracle to free his children. While they wandered the desert due to their cracked human spirit and unfaithfulness, God continued to be faithful. He provided quail and manna from heaven and water pouring out of a rock. He never forgot them. As many times as the Israelites failed to be faithful, God provided and was present. He was a cloud covering them by day and fire leading them at night. As the story goes, God's people are left waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years, the promise yet to come, darkness, quiet, hope flickering. God, where did you go? And in the most unexpected way, he came as a baby, tiny and utterly dependent, Emmanuel, God with us. He grew learned, serve, and called up disciples. He asked them to walk with them, spend time with him, to act like him, and then do the things that he did. And then he died. And God's people were confused. Again, God, where did you go? Until there was an empty tomb. And there is more to the story that we never knew. Because we live this side of heaven, we get to see the inbreaking power of the Holy Spirit. We get to celebrate King Jesus and his life and death and life again. But we find ourselves in this tension. He came, yes, and amen, and he's also coming again. We'd be remiss to walk through an Advent season and not acknowledge the parallels of the long winter nights that God's children experience. As the Israelites waited for their king, we wait for that same king to come back and make whole the chasm we created once and for all. That sounds really nice, but we're not there yet, are we? Evil reigns. Or does it? We can join with the spirit in evil, uh, sorry, we can join with the spirit in fighting against evil, but we can't bring evil to an end. So here's what we can do. We wait. 
and we wait faithfully. God shows us cover to cover what faithfulness looks like. That means acknowledging the pain around us and stepping into action and holding fast to the power of prayer to surrender our arrogance and our need for control and know that one day King Jesus will make all things right. Part of the waiting is letting go of what we want to happen and rest peacefully knowing that it will not be like this forever. We depend on Jesus. We continue to be with him and be like him. We maintain our lifeline to him. We walk through our suffering and the suffering of the world, not with false assurance, but with honesty and authenticity. We cry, we scream, we sob hysterically, we let it out and we don't run from the pain. We ask the questions, we struggle through the doubt, and we muster up the vulnerability to go to our maker who will meet us with empathy and kindness. We say this often, God is not so insecure that he can't hear our doubt and fear. In fact, once we truly let it out to him, we are met with the tender and scarred arms of our king. We hold each other's pain no matter how diminished it may seem in the light of the world's atrocities. Pain is pain, evil is evil no matter the scale. And God's inbreaking reality is that he cares about it. So we must care about it. Often the way God repurposes pain is through people. The balm on your wound is the timely words of love and acknowledgement. The isolation is relieved slightly by a friend present with you the way Jesus might be. Acknowledge the pain, yes, and look for the way God is promising to undo evil here and now. And even more so when Jesus finally reigns over evil and death wholly and completely. <clears throat> and we worship. We sing the praise of his faithfulness, of his love and his power. We hold fast to the truth that he is mighty and that the gravity of his love is that he will not leave us in the darkness. We protest evil with arms lifted high. When we feel helpless and suffocated, we breathe in his spirit and we rejoice that he will make all things right. God is innocent in tragedy and evil. My pain and your pain and the evil around us is a direct result of sin and the chaos of creation's fall. It was never meant to be this way. And that's why evil feels so awful in our beings. We were not originally created to process it or the devastation that trickled down from Adam and Eve, the fruit of good and evil. But God was faithful. As he was to the Israelites, he came, he served, he showed us how to really love each other. And then he conquered death, and death lost its sting. And now we wait. In the here and not yet, where his healing touches our bodies, minds, and spirits, where there was once missing stockings in my home, there are now two little ones that hang in anticipation for Christmas morning, ready to be filled and bring joy and delight to my two kids that are living proof of God overcoming brokenness. He offers the freedom of healing and his power by the Holy Spirit that we can access right now. We don't have to wait to ask for things, not just physical healing, but emotional and spiritual healing too. And sometimes he moves mountains and evil seems to have lost that round. But that's not always the case. Sometimes the prayer is unanswered 
injustice prevails, and no one answers the call for help. And that hole in our bodies, that ache and grief will linger until death will catch us all. Have you ever wondered in what ways we are partnering with darkness? As optimistic as I am, even I can admit that we are all carrying a piece of darkness in us. Darkness meaning the opposite of the kingdom of heaven, sin or evil. The evil that reigns, the brokenness that has seeped into each of our lives and beings also needs to be put to death. In the language of the New Testament, we take up our cross. We have to pass through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to pass away with it, put to death the evil in all of us. And then that space in us gets replaced by light. The more we are with Jesus, the more we can be like him. And we can be part of God's kingdom, break, excuse me, breaking into the here and now. We play an important role in overcoming the darkness. Evil is here, yes, and so is God. But there will be a day when Jesus will take on all of the brokenness in creation and we will no longer whisper or scream in agony, where is God? For he is making a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more weeping from small children, distressed couples, or oppressed humans where slave and free man walk side by side. So darkness, where is your covering? Because one day the lamb and king will crush the serpent, and the flicker of hope alive in us will burn away any lingering darkness once and for all. Our tears will be no more, our longing for peace will be fulfilled, and the ache of all will be fully and truly healed. Even though evil is the last of God's enemy, enemies yet to be fully defeated, the day is coming. We are one day closer to the renewal and redemption of all things, not just in part, but in whole. Every fracture will be healed. So we continue to fan the flame of hope, the hope and knowledge that we will experience fully alive the end of evil. The day is coming where we will mock death we will mock evil as King Jesus once and for all defeats the last enemy and all good things will be restored. And so we wait. We hold the tension that God moves and puts to death evil today and tomorrow, but will also decimate all evil one day. Can you imagine that world where all darkness is gone, where there is peace and harmony? living out our intended purpose. No more aches, grief, longing, or God, where are you? No more comparison, no more voids to fill, no more anger, spewing hate-filled angst at another child of God. For I imagine he will walk with us in the cool of the day. The lion will once again lay with the lamb. Enemies will be no more. War will end. Murder and evil will be nothing more than the dust beneath our feet. For our souls and minds and body will be so aligned with the triune God that we won't even have need for sorrow. And as hard as it is, I will wait for that. And I want to be faithful to wait well. To love the people around me like Jesus loves. To be a light in the darkness. To be a shepherd, a protector 
of God's goodness where evil still roams. That means using our unique wirings and giftings to bring light to the darkness now, here and today. We can be partners in goodness and peace and harmony. We can still carry the charge once given to man and woman in the garden to care for creation, the people around us, and the ground on which we walk, to cultivate life and goodness when death and evil swarm around us, to use our light against darkness. So to end, let's hold fast to the same charge the Israelites had while they waited. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among him, make no sorry, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Come Lord Jesus, we wait for you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to Van City. You can connect with us and find more teachings and available resources at www.vancity.church. You can support Van City financially at vancity.church/give.